0: Three,
1: two, one. Hello. Oh, wait, should no. I say hello again? Yes. Hello, and welcome to the Todd and Taylor Show. I am Todd A., and joining me is... Is uh, is uh, Chip
0: Hathaway. I am uh, new here in town, and uh, I'm filling in. Chip I didn't know...
1: Hathaway? Where did that
0: name come from? I don't... <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> well, it didn't come very quickly, as you could see. My imp... It's My me, improm- Bob <laughs> Burt... Uh... Yeah, my, my imp- It's like that op- episode of The Office where Dwight secretly goes behind Michael's back and he says he's at the dentist and he comes back and Michael's like, where were you? He's like the dentist. He's like, what's the dentist's name? He's like, Dr. Crentist." <laughs> He's like, Your dentist's name is Crentis. He's like, Yes. Maybe that's why he became a dentist. And it was just like, I don't know why, but I just, I laughed so hard at that because it's like, it's like the perfect, it's the perfect example of like that. That's how I end up improv half the time because I'm just like, my brain is so shot. I'm like, I don't know. I <laughs> yeah. I,
1: like, I, anyway, no, but this is really Taylor Trapp. I can't even improv a conversation, a, a reply to that part of the conversation. That's exactly how I would just, yeah, my brain would just rhyme whatever name I'm looking for. So. Exactly,
0: and sometimes that's good enough, and and, and that's just fine.
1: So yeah, don't um,
0: get yourself down.
1: Yeah, you just say yes, and that's all I know about that yes, exa- yes, exactly, and
0: and this is our well, it's, we're in the new year now, but it's basically our our kind of big end of the year, you know, looking forward to the new year sort of supersized edition. If exactly. You
1: and what and what I had suggested just to put a nice cap on it was we've done nine episodes of what we've called season one. Here, this will be the tenth one. Let's just let's just bookend it and say, yeah. season two is coming soon. Um, you know, we've got we got we got ideas percolating, gestating. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we got we got stuff coming up. Also, it it also may appear. Um, I just feel like we're we're getting ready for a real loose podcast today. And I'm yeah. happy about that because we've actually taken a ton of notes, but we haven't really labored over what we're going to talk about. So it's like let's just let's just you know hit the ground running.
0: Yeah. Well, first on that list, I guess. Before, I mean, first and foremost.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's. We can't we can't avoid it. Star yeah. Wars.
0: Have you seen it? Have you seen The Force Awakens?
1: Yes, absolutely. I've seen it uh, twice now. Oh, one yes. more than me. I saw it uh, in IMAX 3D and um, also in traditional, uh, you know. Two dimensions.
0: <laughs> oh, so let's before we jump in, let's just say this is going to be everything we discussed today will be spoilerific. So I don't even want to pretend Good point. Pretend as though whether it be this or any other thing that comes up. So if, if you haven't seen or digested any of these things, then you know just stop it as 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 you hear about it. But honestly, at this point, if you haven't seen Star Wars, what's wrong with you? I mean, come on. Like, yes, yeah. if you're listening to us and you haven't seen Star Wars, I I, I fail to understand the the holdup. But, anywho, you saw it um, on both. I had... I, A, didn't realize there was a, a 3... I mean, I knew there was a 3D version, but I didn't realize there was, like, an IMAX 3D, like, all-encompassing version. So, I'm kind of... I feel a little left out, because I saw it in a theater that's 2D, but the theater had really kind of crappy sound. I saw it, like, Ooh. it was packed. So, it was really... I don't know. It really wasn't... I need to see it again before it leaves theaters, just with the, the proper experience, probably at Alamo Drafthouse. But I I, I would love to hear... You contrast both versions because I, well, I'm kind of on the fence about 3D usually, but in this case, I don't know. It seems like it might work.
1: uh, Fortunately for for me, I mean, um, I'm a big supporter of of 3D in the sense that I I I feel I I know, you know, I see it getting better every year, Mm. and um, and uh, I appreciate people being on the fence about it. Um, I take issue with people who are like adamantly against it because i feel like well you're missing out on a you know a new and more interesting experience in the theater um especially when it comes to imax you know and um uh to me the imax is more important than the 3d uh imax 3d glasses are not the greatest generally mm. they're always mm. this yellow thing that's flat and square mm. um, or squarish they're, they're not sort of the, the round, uh, real D 3d glasses or something that are a, oh, little, really? a little bit better fitting. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So putting them I on, them the I, I just remember sitting in that theater and like, you know, being handed these IMAX 3d glasses and going, Oh, this sucks. You know, like this picture is going to be huge and there's so much light coming in around the sides of them. But, but the, mm. but the deal is once the IMAX starts, it's so huge that you don't care. Like, I mean, it, you know, it's already filling your vision so the the glasses really don't matter. I mean, I guess, I guess that's that's probably the premise behind it is like mm-hmm. they can get away with a, 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 a sort of cheaper feeling glasses because, you know, the picture is so big. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the IMAX is more important than 3D. Is, I guess that's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, but the 3D in it is just, you know, it's really well done. It's like the Martian in 3D was great. Um I actually thought both Avengers were really good in 3D. Where, well, let's let me ask you
0: this because it wasn't shot with 3D in mind like some right. movies are. So, did you did they? I mean, they had to pick right moments to really sort of make it, you know, to, to kind of add that 3D element in. It's, did you feel they picked the right moments for it? I mean, yeah, it's uh, not
1: it's not goofy. It's definitely like it's more about giving it depth and not about okay. things you know coming out towards. Oh, great. Okay, I actually um,
0: appreciate that way more.
1: Yeah, and that and that was. Um, uh, uh, you know, The Martian did a really great job of doing that same thing. And so I just, you know, to me, it just it felt really natural, actually. That's probably the best point, is that there was nothing about the 3D where you, you were sort of aware all of a sudden that you were watching a 3D movie. It gotcha. was just that the depth was done really well. Um, and, uh, you know, especially for all the... They had so many, um, uh, what do we want to call it, like <laughs> uh, spaceship battles. They had so many, yeah. like, uh, you know... Um, aerial battles on a planet in this movie that that just added to that you know you're all of a sudden you're watching a couple of great you know like this depth of field you know there's a there's a really great pov shot from Mm -hmm. poe dameron's Mm -hmm. like x-wing where you're you know flying in and you just see it through his his windshield um and uh you know that stuff just the 3d just enhanced that it didn't you know, it it wasn't super obvious, or you know, didn't attract at all. I, I, I just I really enjoyed it, but then when I saw it in 3D, it didn't necessarily take away from it. I just appreciated the huge picture of IMAX and the sound system and all that a lot better. You know, I that, bet
0: uh, I, I imagine that very first opening shot after the after the scroll. Where it's almost like the eclipse the planet, yeah, the eclipse shot of the of this uh, you know star cruisers or whatever the star destroyers like kind of going in front of the of the moon or the sun, just that would be that if it doesn't work with that opening shot, um, you're kind of screwed. But that's that was a gorgeous shot just on the screen. I would imagine in
1: IMAX it would be even better. Um, it was just, uh, uh, it was really cool. It wasn't like I mean that that to me wasn't uh, I don't know that wasn't that wasn't the biggest deal. You know the the millennium. Uh, Falcon or Falcon, as I'm I'm going to say, Millennium Falcon. When they first jump on it and they're flying all over Jakku, that's the shot that sticks out to me. Like, uh, oh, yes. I got the whole horizon every time it flips over and does like a turn. I see the depth, all that stuff. It was just so cool to watch. Nice. You know, it was wow. like you really. I mean, it just you know they did such a good job of it being physical which is I'm sure something that, like we can talk about in so many examples from that movie versus the prequels, which did not mm-hmm. feel physical. You never felt like, I never felt like I was physically in the world of the prequels, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, is that just because technology's gotten better though? So they, or is it just simply the craft of, of making those movies has was just superior to the prequels as far as Bill well, Bill I think,
1: was? you know, I think from what we've, what we've read and and discussed, and what we've heard other people discuss, is that those, you know, J.J. Abrams did. He was so consciously uh, made decisions to make it physical. You know, building a Millennium Falcon for them to interact on. You know, shooting on film. Um, you know, having actual sets instead of just a bunch of green screens. I mean, that was one of our griefs about about the prequels in our in our giant two episode Star Wars. Um, wrap up which I, i'm not even sure when we did it i don't know that i had seen all the prequels but i have now seen all of them mm-hmm. and am you know suitably <laughs> unimpressed
0: yeah the- did you, well we never talked about that after after we did the star wars podcast you hadn't seen revenge of the sith yet did you feel right. that was in any way was there any redeemable moment in that movie or was it sort of just on par with everything else
1: i actually well both i mean attack of the clones um was I, I liked Attack of the Clones. I and I thought it was a a billion times better than Phantom Menace. Like I can't mm. overdo that enough. That was so <laughs> Phantom Menace set the bar so low.
0: Yeah, that, but here's here's my deal. Attack of the clones didn't have uh Darth Maul and it did have Hayden Christensen. And I feel that trade off was not in our favor. And I would rather have had, you know, well, if, you know, if, I didn't I
1: didn't care about Darth Maul that much.
0: <laughs> and, I mean, he was, uh, I don't know. That that was always the kind of the money shot in the trailer when, like, he, oh, yeah. he revealed a double-bladed lightsaber. And now we've got, like, lightsabers, like, in all shapes and sizes, so it's not nearly as interesting. But remember where you were the first time? Like, you know, the lightsaber was always the like, oh, yeah. classic thing. And then all of a sudden, when he pulls up his, you know, his staff and, like, another blade appears, everybody's like, oh, my God! Like, that was such a, an yeah. amazing moment. Um you know, and now we have like you know freaking lightsaber canes and lightsaber bows and you know freaking hilted right. sabers. It's just like it's all over the place now. Which,
1: I, <laughs> what did you think of Kylo Ren's hilted
0: blade? Did that
1: did that actually? I it got so much shit when it showed up mm-hmm. in the preview. Yeah, and then, um, but when uh, what I loved so much was that. Uh, you know, it was. Are we going to say spoiler alert for every time? No, I'm no.
0: It's to, if, you, you know, the,
1: the fact that they that they have Luke skywalker's lightsaber and it is the classic lightsaber mm-hmm. it, it you know had me thinking like well you know i mean guess that's the deal is that the sort of technology had been lost or it had changed or something and so kylo ren has this sort of fiery lightsaber that he's you know maybe he's just made this himself and it's not yeah. according to the old jedi standards or something and i re- i really liked that i liked that it was like there's a difference between these two things which i think is you know something that darth maul introduced i think that was the that was a, that was a cool thing to show. Like, yeah, the Sith aren't necessarily going to use lightsabers the same way the Jedi do. You know.
0: Well, and there was a cool. There was actually a couple cool practical moments where the hilt. Like, I think when he's battling Finn and yeah. he uses the hilt to like, you know, basically, um, you know, slice his neck or slice his shoulder or something. I'm like, oh, see, then it kind of clicked for me. I was like, oh, that's badass. That's kind of, I don't know, that's I. I the, th- the thing about it for me is Kylo Ren as a character. Once you kind of decide he is the Severus Snape of. Star Wars in almost every way possible like <laughs> that really I mean he looks just like him he's like if they ever rebooted Harry Potter Severus. Adam Driver as Severus Snape I mean come on um but there was like I mean he had the same kind of like you know moody sort of turn to the dark side you know with his Voldemort sort of uh you know uh, you know mentor treating him I mean I have been using the hashtag wizarding world of Star Wars quite a bit just because there was for me there was a lot of people who strangely complained that it was too similar to a new hope which I'm like I what do you what do you want I mean like that was sort of the I, the appeal was that it, it harkened back to a lot of that um, I totally
1: you know. reject that criticism that is yeah so I was awesome.
0: just like for me though I was more like and mine isn't necessarily criticism more I was just like oh that's interesting there were so many Harry Potter tropes I mean there was even a moment and I posted this on Facebook where freaking Maz Katana was basically almost said the you know the the lightsaber chooses the Jedi, like almost literally said that she stopped just short of it. Um, And I'm just like, there's, and it wasn't, it wasn't a bad thing, but I'm just like, man, they are borrowing a lot of Harry Potter stuff for, for just symbolism and sort of ideas and you know, even down to sure. character design that i was like oh interesting
1: interesting hmm. Hmm. as as a sort of late comer to harry potter i wouldn't i would never have put that together i did not put that together i didn't think about that at all
0: yeah uh, a lot of people didn't i mean they didn't go in they didn't go in intending that to be yeah. a thing so i'm sure a lot of people even now are like i don't see that at all but if there's i'm gonna go back and watch it a second time with that in mind i mean i noticed it just and happenstance but knowing i mean good god even one ron ron weasley's brother older brother is like the bad guy um you know he's general hucks or whatever you know his name is the, the
1: lead yeah that's that's one of the Dom, weasleys domino gleason is in the harry potters yeah 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 I had no idea i like yeah, that no. guy I, you speaking movies? of
0: him, I did not like his character in Force Awakens. I thought it was like a cheesy 60s, 70s Doctor Who villain. It was yeah. so over the top and so, like, here on one hand, you have Adam Driver doing this sort of really subdued, you know, he, that dude modulated. I mean, he went from these really crazy childlike tantrums back to. I'm in control. I'm just going to be very calm. You know, he took, takes off the helmet for the first time, and he's just like, he's this really good-looking guy, and you didn't expect that. And, you know, he's just, he's trying to stay on top of things, but he's still prone to just these manic outbursts of emotion, which that's what the Sith is. You know, it is yeah. emotion and 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 desire over, you know, the more sort of monk-like Jedi, you know, uh, you know mindset, which I thought, you know, one thing, the, the other thing about this movie that I liked a lot, it really rewound back the idea of the force into a more spiritual religious kind yeah. of thing less like it's science and if you have these kind of genes in your body you get to be yeah. a jedi you know it's like it was less that and more hey anybody could be a jedi you know yeah. if you with the right training and the right sort of and granted like ray you know there was there was a lot of about ray's heritage and that might be part of why she's force sensitive but i don't know when freaking finn pulls up a lightsaber and can actually hold his own to an extent with it i thought that was pretty badass i'm like man this is i'm liking this i'm liking where they're taking this
1: yeah and i someone um in the comment thread on my blog um i i don't i don't i don't think this thought originated there i think they were they were sort of quoting someone else who said that struggle in kylo ren was really what they were going for in anakin it's just that you know the the Direction of Anakin and the acting kind of failed, you know, because that, that's that's one Adam those, driver, that's for sure, uh, right? I mean, that's one of those things. that's just all over the map of like, you know, one scene he's just angry, and the next scene he's like totally chill. And and Adam Driver did such a great job of sort of modulating between those, especially that interrogation scene. Obviously, I mean, it was oh god, so, yeah, so intense with him and Ray, and and uh, and and I love that there's a moment where you literally see the Force awaken. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and that was – so that that to me was was such a great summary of that of like, yeah, that's that's the struggle that Anakin was supposed to go through.
0: Yeah, and, yeah.
1: And it, but instead it was played out in those prequels as like, yeah, just be a dick to everybody.
0: <laughs> well, I think there's a reason – there's a good reason why a lot of people are going, hey, they should reboot the prequels. <laughs> like oh, Disney, when you're done with this run, not counting sort of the standalone features – Go back and redo one, two, and three, please. And that's just like because I think everybody's like, if this is if this is what we're going to get, then Disney just redo
1: everything. Like go God, back wow. and just edit them into one movie. Topher Grace uh, has.
0: I yeah, don't know. Yeah. How, I don't know how well known that is, but Topher Grace of all people, um, and this and that actually inspired me to do the same thing with the Hobbit trilogy, just based on my sort of reaction to that. But Topher Grace has taken the prequels and has apparently whittled it down into a cohesive story that actually is pretty good and he's done some select screenings he can't legally put it out for consumption but he's done these sort of select screenings that people go to and they're like oh my god like that worked really well like he's taken you know he's made it more about obi-wan's journey at first and i don't i don't even think anakin's part of the of the first part of the story i think it's more about obi-wan and um and then it shifts to anakin i don't know how you get around hayden christensen's shitty performance though like no matter what you do (laughs) <laughs> there's no way
1: to get a, I mean it's just so bad. It's so bad. And it's like but it, it goes it, it kind of goes back to something we mentioned before which is like you know which was the green screen problem of like you know when they're interacting with Jar Jar, you're thinking, well, these two good actors, you know, um uh Liam Neeson and uh and uh Ewan McGregor, like they didn't actually know what he was going to look like or oh, you, you right. know, there's like there's yeah. this, and so I feel like maybe we got to give Hayden a little slack and say well you know lucas was probably just saying faster more intense and he didn't really realize like well in the edit of the film this isn't going to make any sense that i'm super angry all of a sudden at the woman that is bearing my children you know uh maybe he thought of course this will lead into that or something but
0: there was a moment in a revenge of the sith where he it was the one time in the entire trilogy where he actually acted and it's when he's standing in the tower thinking about padme and she and it kind of keeps cross-cutting between her looking out her window towards the Jedi temple and him looking out towards her apartment. And you can see in his, in his oh, in, yeah. he's not saying anything, he's not talking to anybody, but in his face, he's going through. I'm like, I wanted that the entire way through.
1: Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, and I'm
0: like, oh, God! And it was like, and then he ruined it when he shows up to, basically, you know, when uh, Mace Windu's, you know, got Palpatine cornered. And he shows up, he's like, you yeah. can't do that! And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, I just sort of ruined the whole, the whole thing. And I'm like, that was a bad, I mean, it was, at that point, I'm like, oh, my God, this is actually, I'll forgive everything if this just, if it maintains this for the rest of the movie. And it just, I agree. oh, I will say one more thing for Revenge of the Sith. Not to get off topic, but Ian McDermott, man, if anybody saved that movie, him sitting in the theater giving the spiel about Darth Plagueis, like, oh, that still gives me chills to this day. Like, I could just rewind that scene a 100 times and never get tired of it. That dude finally was like, let's get some, let's bring some acting, some actual old school British acting into this movie. It, it's captivating to
1: watch him do kind of, that monologue. It's kind of a wonder that it even, you know. <laughs> was even left in there i mean after all, it's kind <laughs> well, of like a great point actually don't, don't you think that after all that they would have just been like no let's just get rid of this
0: lucas is like i don't want any real acting in my movie yeah it's not, what's so, going
1: on here this <laughs> he's talking a lot let's cut yeah. right here and just have them talking to, to the robot again
0: yeah faster we need to let's bring jar jar back into kind of talk, interrupt the scene and they're like no yeah. yeah i would love to oh i wonder how that got in all that to be said i i was i mean i mean it sounds like you were a fan of it i i appreciated it even you know force
1: awakens we're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. force
0: awakens I, oh yeah huge fan I, and i
1: love the way it like took the whole all that like i liked i liked i in retrospect having seen them all i like that the prequels told that story i think yeah. they told it really badly through through the medium of film uh-huh. um but it, it was you know i there were a lot of points where i was like that is really interesting like what a what a you know what a cool twist to put there or whatever i mean it wasn't like super amazing but it was a good story and that's why i think it just it was stretched out too long there are yeah. too many useless details there's a lot of bad acting there are a lot of bad shots or a lot of dumb effects obi-wan rides a lizard that makes no sense it's <laughs> like, forgot about there, there's like some for some reason there's like half <laughs> human half clone general yeah. it just but um you know but then but then i super <laughs> having seen all that really loved how the force awakens takes that story to the next level. Yeah. And to those people criticizing it saying it's just a redo of the, a new hope, like I I get that the themes were reexplored, but this idea that like you know, we we talked about this before in our in our Star Wars podcast about how Empire Strikes Back is such an interesting movie because you don't usually see a a movie like that where the enemy is on its heels yeah. and like lashing out. And yeah. I thought Force yeah. Awakens did a similar great thing which was like Really changing that. It's not the rebellion anymore. It's the resistance. And there's this weird first order that wants to take out the new republic. And, you know, I mean, to me, that was just like, yeah, th- you know, this is, on top of all these other things, it's a story about this society and how the, you know, the government of it has changed. And I just like that that was updated. I didn't, yeah, you know, that didn't... didn't, that to me felt like a good. Con- Continuation of the prequels and the original trilogy. Here, here's a, the new situation that we're in. Well, it's you know? it's
0: kind of sucky because they, I mean, they took out the the Republic entirely. Like, so I'm I'm wondering, right. is what we saw on that Resistance planet is that all that's left of anybody good in the universe? Is that like, is that the Republic now? Like, is there other other planets where you know we're going to see people living? Because it feels pretty after that. It feels pretty sparsely populated, especially because they took out Starkiller Base. I'm like, where is everybody now? Are they all gone?
1: Yeah. I. God, we're going to get corrected by somebody. But I really think that – I think there's some uh, – I think there's some line that kind of it gives it away that maybe the entire Republic wasn't taken out or something. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm not really sure. but um. That was kind of the new
0: Coruscant. I mean that was the new sort of capital planet. So yeah. dad, I'm sure there's other outposts and stuff. A couple of spoilery questions for you because I'm curious what you think. Sure. Number one – who do you think Ray? Who do you think are Ray's parents?
1: Man, I hate to uh, I hate to, to give this answer because I because I'm total. I would love you know whatever you have to say about it. I'd love to hear. Um, I just at this moment I've done a great job of not really caring. Oh wow, <laughs> fair enough. Like I've I've just kind of been able to sort of mentally hold it back. Um, I mean I've I've speculated like everybody else. I just I haven't really arrived at a conclusion. I just don't really want to so who do you think it is
0: i don't think she's i i mean it, the obvious sort of thing going into it was oh she's kylo's sister and that's where they're you know, right that's definitely and, what i
1: thought at the beginning
0: and there's gonna be this whole reveal in the second movie where it's like i am your brother ha <laughs> ha and i'm like that's i think that's purposely set up to be that obvious because it's not correct i right. don't think she's luke's daughter either um a lot of people are like oh no that's the last scene infers it i'm like i don't see how it's it's not like he comes up to her and embraces her like I haven't seen. I mean, the yeah. look he gave her was, I know who you might be, um, uh, and he's more. It seemed like he was more surprised somebody found him in general.
1: Like, right? Oh. I didn't. I didn't even know the. I know who you might be. I just. I. I got the. Recog, you know, recognition from him but yeah i didn't i didn't you know that wasn't my takeaway from that scene of like a rec- uh a recognition of her so much yeah. as his lightsaber recognition being, of like okay they've found me she has the lightsaber she's put it together or this you know that i'm
0: being thing. brought back into all the time yeah. has come. he i think i think he senses he's got some kind of big involvement where his death might be part of it or something he's like oh now i have to be brought yeah in. It's, i think her parents are people who were probably jedis that were being trained by luke and kylo ren Whoa. killed yeah. them you remember because they said a couple times like kylo ren went ape shit and killed all of the yeah. students i'm thinking at one point luke spirited her away knowing that like her parents were you know were basically being killed so he knows she's you know got force lineage as it were um and so he'll be able to explain I don't I I just can't see him being her father. I don't know why that it's too tropey. It's too for him to say I am your father. It's like, well, come on. Like that's like why would you go to that extent? So it'd be much better for him to be truly her Obi-Wan Kenobi in that he knows he has connection to her ancestry or her parentage, but he's not, you know, he's kind of responsible for her safety,
1: you know. So the the thing that leads me to believe that that is not true if we're Mm -hmm. tying all this together with everything in the prequels and everything is that, um, the issue of the slavery of Anakin and his mother Mm -hmm. was like, I thought pretty significant, you know, in in that Anakin, you know, um, there was definitely like an appeal to Obi-Wan. Like, can you free both of them or Qui-Gon or whoever did it? And, um, and they couldn't, and uh, tell me if I miss any facts here, and then he, you know he goes back, Anakin goes back to free his mother, mm-hmm. and um, she's been kidnapped by the sand people, and where she ultimately dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a shot in the Force Awakens where we see uh, little Ray being left, the hand that's holding hers is mm-hmm. the guy that gives her the, the meal credits every day. Is it? so she's basically been left in slavery with him as her owner interesting that is that's my takeaway from that scene it's like you don't even you don't see anything but the hand but mm-hmm. it's this big you know uh, fat alien hand interesting and interesting um, I, yeah and i'm i'm pr- i'm like scrolling through imdb as i'm saying that like i know he's got a name and i have no idea what it is um, well let's
0: do you i mean do you rule out as i do that she's related to the solos in any
1: way like i I think so i don't think it is i i was really annoyed that um in my inbox yesterday my like from medium the the site like i get the weekly update or whatever daily update of like stories you might enjoy and the, the i didn't even have to open the email the subject line was ray Canopy something and i was like fuck you man no it? i didn't even want that, that in my head you know
0: it didn't even make they like why so so i hate that idea because number one this whole the the this rebooted series is about new characters new things what do they have to gain by drudging up you know somebody who died in the very first movie and go oh and by the right. way he had a secret daughter not only yeah. would he be too old for that anyway i mean he'd be way it wouldn't make any sense he it would have to be his great granddaughter or great-granddaughter and team. again
1: I don't think he would leave somebody in slavery yeah. having you know a- having been through that history with Anakin. Now maybe I mean that's that that definitely that discussion is where it go it, I am going deep geek on that of sure, like sure. Oh if you're trying to pull the slavery theme out of it I mean I don't know I always feel like when you say something like when you make a oh I'm tying this back to this other movie then it's kind of like ah you're maybe putting too much Well
0: let me in. just put it this way I'm going to be disappointed if it turns out she is A solo because they would have it would have made no sense because Harrison Ford, the second Han Solo saw her, he would have been like, Oh my god, like his reaction was not suitable for a lost daughter or lost baby. Let me Um, put this
1: out there. Solo and Leia have been split up. Leia may have had another baby.
0: Oh well, why wouldn't she have had the reaction though, like, Oh my daughter is finally back? Unless she just doesn't know. Right. There could be an she, interesting. Yeah. Well, okay, so there's okay. There's one possible. That's at least an interesting twist on that. I will be disappointed if she is Luke's daughter. Um, yeah,
1: not I'll as much. Annoyed, I, I, I'll be annoyed for the same exact reason you elucidated, which is I, it's too tropey. Yeah, I just don't. I don't want it to be that obvious. Just like I didn't. I really didn't want the. I thought the. Um, they did a great way of handling Kylo Ren's, uh, being you know Solo and Leia's kid. Yeah. without. First of all, the first time they reveal it, like when Snoke just says it to yeah, him or whatever, yeah. you're like, "Holy shit!" They just said that, and it's like 20 minutes into the movie. You know, it wasn't even like that. That wasn't even the twist, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I so I really did go in. You know, I kind of felt like, oh, I thought probably what's coming is that they're going to reveal that they had two kids, or you know, like that was yeah. just on my mind. So yeah. when it didn't happen, I would just hate for it to happen in the next one, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the next one. So
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Snoke, another another sort of spoilery question: Do you think he is really that sized?
1: No, no, no. I, and I loved that. Um, I loved when the image was shut off, and it, yeah. and and I mean that was. I, that I was guess awesome. what you were what you were implying. Or, the, like, I can just imagine, because I know the thoughts that went through my head, where I was like, well, this is new. <laughs> We've never yeah. seen an alien, like, this size before. And then yeah, when it was yeah. revealed yeah. to be a hologram, I was like, oh, okay, he's probably tiny or something.
0: I think he's as big as Maz Kanata is, and I think right. and Maz Kanata have some sort of back. Because she's just as old. I mean, she's been around for however
1: Interesting.
0: I think there's some big thing between those two. Um, and when they reveal him, he's going to be as tall as her. Because she's not very... Maz Kanata, I... I had, to, I had to pinch myself because I – as soon as she appeared on screen and started speaking, I'm like, did they get Linda Hunt to be in Star Wars <laughs> finally? Is that, is that what – then I had to remind myself, oh, no, that's Lapita and I cannot pronounce her name for life. of me yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and she did a great job, but I'm like, Jesus Christ, did she not channel Linda Hunt? um in every every step i'm like is this not linda hunt i, I almost and i posted that on io9 and had like t- immediately within tw- like 10 minutes 12 people were like yes thank you i thought the same thing oh my god yeah. I'm so glad somebody else finally said this and i'm just like and if you don't know who linda hunt is go google i mean google her but like kindergarten cop will be kind of your go-to and she's well, been in a, a bunch of
1: stuff since to me it's in the incredibles where she essentially plays herself <laughs>
0: that's not linda hunt though either Wait, that what? is that is Brad Bird. <laughs> they basically designed a character who looks exactly like Linda Hunt with Brad Bird's voice. So yeah, I know it's that's confusing as well. There needs to be. We should just do a whole episode on the mis mistaken Linda Hunt appearance. My
1: mind has just been blown. I,
0: <laughs> I know, dude. The same. the when I and it doesn't help that they gave her something. the same haircut as what's as the Incredibles. What's the Incredibles character? Um, Edna. Edna. They gave her the Edna Mode haircut in whatever that CBS show she's in. You know what I'm talking about? Like mm. Linda Hunt's in this show on CBS where she plays kinda like an Ed she basically plays Edna Mode. Um yeah. she's like behind in the slap, and they gave her the same damn haircut. So I was like, Oh, that's so when I found out Brad Bird was Edna Mode, I'm like,
1: Really? Because what? she looks
0: exactly uh-huh. like if you Google Linda Hunt right now, she looks she's she looks like Edna Mode right now. Um Right. The other thing about that that bugs me is Linda Hunt is an amazing voice actress. She yeah. has given – I mean she is uh, management in Carnival, which blew my mind when I learned that. I was like, oh, my god. She plays um, in the God of War series. She's like um, the voice of Gaia and a bunch of – I mean she's she pops up everywhere. Um, wow. An amazing voice actress. But it, we, we will do the Linda Hunt spectacular one of these days and we'll go through <laughs> all those things. Another spoilery question, though. Do you think – they're gonna try something as crazy as Finn is uh, Lando Calrissian's son.
1: God, I would love that. That would be great.
0: I, I'm oh, so glad I, you said I, that because that, that would be a reveal. That would be that would be awesome. Because think about this: Finn was Finn, and I love this idea of the new stormtroopers
1: are are kids that they take away from their families and condition to be stormtroopers. God, and I love the quick way they explain why they're not clones. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Oh, that was just so great. Like there's I think it's Kylo and, and Hux that have that conversation. But Hux, at least, you know, yeah. one of them, like I guess Hux is like, isn't that how it works? Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Oh well, no, good. it's Phasma, right?
0: They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause they're talking about his training. They got Finn's like like report card like pulled up on yeah, the screen yeah. and like they show him like as a kid. And like his, you know, he's not adapting to his. I'm like, that's a badass idea. And they didn't dwell on it. They didn't, you know, they just yeah. they threw it in. I'm like, I love that. But I'm I love the too. fact that he They've got to get Billy Dee Williams back in here somehow.
1: I agree. Lando is necessary,
0: and for that to be his dad would be that would be like oh I would I would have the opposite reaction of Ray is you know it's Ray Solo somehow and be like oh god but it'd be like yeah. oh god yes Finn is Lando's son yes and I feel like now that the Hound Solo is you know gone um it would be who of them to in the next movie you know I've heard um. Mark Bernardin on the Fat Man and Batman podcast made a great point. He's like, the one thing I was missing is there was no sort of like eulogy for Han Solo. There wasn't like Leia standing sure. there explaining like what how much he meant to her and to the you know and, and basically saying you know, using herself as a as a conduit for the fans like this is how much he meant i'm wondering if in the next movie there isn't something where you know and it would make perfect sense for if we're not going to get the the han solo funeral scene let's have her sit down with freaking lando calrissian and talk about how great han solo was you know yeah. and, it's like, and talk about fathers and sons and oh that could tee off this whole idea that rent finn might be your kid han solo <laughs> I would love that so much. And if it doesn't yeah. happen, fine. But if it does, I'll be like, I'll be the first to cheer, clap out in the theater, like, yes, this makes so much sense. And that would make yeah, sense. Yeah. Oh, good. Sorry. It would be a great way to bring him back in.
1: I well, mean, and it would be, it would be good, too,
0: because we don't need Ray to be anybody's daughter that we know. But we it would make – if another character is going to have a twist like that, let's make it Finn. And there's a perfect – and not that he has to be the son of the only black other black character in the series. <laughs> right. Come on. thing. Who else is it going to be? It's like, hey, and, and by the way – and then Whoopi Gilbert walks out. Like, here's a character you've never met, and it's her son. And it's like, hey, Mom. Right. And it's like, well, okay. I guess we're, we're happy for you, but we don't know who this is. Right. You know, so. Um, and then one other question I had. Oh, I think that was it. It was those three. Do you think by the end of it, I mean, do you do you do you want Kylo Ren to have a redemptive moment?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Interesting. I keep toss. I keep going back and forth on that. I'm like, I kind of do, but then part of me is like, no, he just needs to die, and Ray needs
1: to kill him. And that I, would be, you know. I have similar problems with the Winter Soldier, where I'm like, man, it is not. You cannot be like the the stormtrooper uh, of this Hitler and go kill all these people and then <laughs> and then like oh but I I've changed my ways yeah, yeah. <laughs> and become a hero you know I I that would be I mean that was one of the great things about Finn's character was like w- watching him uh you know in his first battle lose heart like immediately yeah. it was yeah. like oh I get you know I get it because it's just it's you know it'd be really hard to to see some cruel you know like a phasma. Like, was like, well, I've killed millions of people, but now I'm on your side, I swear. Yeah, Just, yeah. I'd be like, uh, I mean, maybe there's that last, I mean, you know, the Darth Vader thing is great of like, you, you, you feel that like regret and that sadness and everything, but it doesn't really, they, they had him die once he expresses it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. not like they have to, he doesn't become a hero of the rebellion afterwards, which exactly. that's, that's the point where it always becomes really corny to me. No, yeah. um, yeah, I mean more, he, could, he could redeem himself and then go live on the Jedi Island or something and like stay away from people. But turning into a hero that, would be too much.
0: Well, I want to know what, why Luke took himself out of the equation. Like what is it about – like is it just simply guilt – or does he have? Is he going to rock some force powers that we've never? Th- I'll tell you what. My favorite thing, oh, yeah. more than anything else, my favorite damn thing about this movie was how they wielded the force. I, I was like, as soon yeah. as, and I'm so glad they did it right off the bat. As soon as like Kylo Ren like froze that laser blast, I'm like, oh my, oh, god! my god! Like,
1: I know. And such a difference from the prequels where it was like the, you know, these super powerful Jedi and Sith are just shooting lightning bolts out of their hands. It was like, that's all you came up with, man. I mean, it was so apparent from the that first scene where we see Kylo Ren of like he has the force like we have never seen anyone have the force before. Yeah, you know, like he's not just yeah. choking people or shooting lightning bolts. Like he stops a blaster. Oh, and when they drag, you know, Poe past it, and he looks at it. It's like yeah, that is so yeah. cool. He's yeah. the first one too to use the force.
0: action. I mean, Darth Vader had to pull in like a machine to probe Leia's mind. He, yeah. Kylo Ren just does it with his. Just he yeah. does a like force mind meld. I'm like, that's badass. Although, by the way, one more little spoilery thing: the stormtrooper who's there when ray is escaping oh, yeah. that she, she force i'm sure everybody knows this by now but and i was looking for him the whole time i'm like i wonder which one daniel craig is daniel craig of james bond fame is the stormtrooper that gets kind of con, con, she uses the confundus charm on him essentially right. and, <laughs>
1: and like and gets out of there well the big ugly you know the guy that gives her her credits that's simon pegg is it yeah that's uh, his, i
0: wondered where team. he was too that's badass yeah,
1: Unkar o- Plut. I had to look up the name of that guy.
0: Oh, that's great. But yeah, that oh, that's fantastic. I saw that
1: was in one, I, one of the very very few I have avoided articles on this so <laughs> so well for the past month. And one of the very few ones I read was uh like all the cameos of it. And Oh, that's You know, I I'd, I'd heard like Simon Pegg was in it and um a couple other people like a little uh what's his name um Oh shit I just I totally uh, I almost called him Joffrey but the kid from Game of Thrones that like has the the seeing power that Bran has that goes with him on the adventure. Oh yeah yeah um uh, Jojen Reed Yeah Jojen he like just turns around like he's at a console and he just turns around and says find really? a hux or something Oh my god yeah Well I mean like half the I mean half of JJ
0: Abrams you know like the the dude who's in um Heroes and he's been a bunch of JJ Abrams yeah. stuff there that chinese actor who's in lost is there you know like there's a lot of jj abrams kind of alumni who it's it almost got a little distracting to be honest with you i'm like oh god like because all of a sudden it breaks the world you're like who else is going to show up that i you know it's one of
1: jj's friends but then it's such a great job of like not calling attention to that you know
0: yeah you're right i mean it wasn't so overblown but it it made it made me start to anticipate it a little bit which was i was and then it you know they kind of veered veered back um back from it well we we can go on and on oh my god
1: we could, yeah we could seriously talk about that when and let's do it like in the next yeah, yeah, yeah. If we want to talk about it let's bring it up that would be cool we'll come back but let's
0: real quick because i think the we tried to talk about jessica jones at one point yeah. and i think that was in the aborted episode that didn't really go out if, if yeah. i'm not clear but um and we can talk about jessica jones for a whole episode too but have you seen it because i think at the time you hadn't seen it yet and i had
1: so i've only seen episode one Um, And I'm not uh, – well, I had nothing but positive thoughts about it until the very, very last scene. And I was Hmm. like, man, I don't want to watch.
0: Remind me what the last scene was.
1: I I forget. The girl gets on the elevator with her parents and draws – Oh,
0: that's right.
1: I mean – I appreciate all the stuff they're they're doing in telling the story and I, I appreciate the perspective I've heard, which is the showrunner was very specific about not showing the violence, so it's not about the gore, it's about the you know, the reaction. But it was so excessive and awful to me at the very end and uh it, you know I just i watched it on a a bad day of gun violence in the news oh, you know to kind of yeah. I was kind of trying to take my mind off of things and I thought I'll watch the superhero show and that happened and i went oh my god I can't you know it was like what I don't know that I can get back into this yeah, but I can see the that tone and everything of it was so on point and like you know it was there was never a wink to the audience of like, yeah, she can, you know, bust right through this wall or, you know, I mean, it was like the one time you see her use her superpowers. It was really cool. And um, I really, you know, I really liked all the, that tone about it. Um, yeah. I do uh, think it's strange the way it's, it's marketed in, um, and you know, I like it, it is basically in uh, teen rated comics. There are a lot of commercials for it. Or you know, oh, advertisements, wow. like because I have a. We'll talk about the comics that we're into in a minute, and several of the Marvel titles I picked up had Jessica Jones issue, and I I this feel like I feel no, like this is no. like NC seventeen kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, this is this is it's definitely adult. I will say, I mean, and, and what I didn't remark on last time we talked about it, um, you know, they are you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of violence you don't see. And you just see the aftermath, which is just as gruesome. There's right. a lot of sex scenes. It has some of the hottest sex scenes I've ever seen without any nudity. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, you you see, I mean, you see somebody you know with like a sheet on them, so you never see like you know breasts. It's it's like you take all the sex scenes in Game of Thrones where you see nothing but nudity and line them up against this, and it's like they fall short. I'm just like, oh my god, I, and you see, or you see just like at the end um you know like you know jessica jones and luke cage just you know they just finished but they're sweaty and they're you know, yeah. you're know, you like oh my god like they did a really great job of, of showing you without really showing you i'm like that i haven't seen that in a show in a long time so i commend them with that my i've kind of hunted and pecked at it since i've saw it you know when it came out i, I binged it that first week yeah and, and i enjoyed it but i always sensed that there was a better show underneath like if they had just turned left instead of right here or you know maybe showed us a little more like there was more it it could have been it could have been my favorite thing all year if they had just tweaked it here and tweaked it there but instead we kind of got like I kind of got this muted kind of version of what I really wanted which was still good it was still you know well executed but I'm just I kept feeling like there was more and especially tied back to David Tennant's portrayal of the, of, uh, Kilgrave, AKA the purple man, which if you read the comics, he is purple. He dresses in purple and he is purple because he was, you know, there's various sort of versions of the story, but he was exposed to like, you know, chemicals that gave him his ability. Um, in this, in the case of the show, he has, he kind of has this virus that if you're in his presence, you're infected through this airborne virus. And that's how he can, basically control your mind, which I thought was, yeah. oh, that's a great, that's a great twist on it. I like that he dressed in purple and I understand they didn't, they wanted to veer back from the comic book, kind of stuff, but there's the last two episodes are about him kidnapping his father back who experimented on him when he was a kid and having his father basically inject him with like this super serum essentially that gives him you know greater and greater sort of range (laughs) and greater abilities and i'm thinking oh my god they're gonna backdoor their way into him becoming the purple man essentially that's that's a great idea there's even a scene at the end i think of the penultimate episode where they, they give him a super dose of it the serum itself is purple they're uh. injecting him with it they show this flash on him where he's like he's like struggling and he's like Ugh! and they show his like veins kind of popping out and part of his face kind of like it, instead of turning blue it's kind of turning purple and you're like oh my god and they cut and you're like oh they're gonna show him and he's gonna be all per- they're gonna make him fully realize this is great and then they never do and then like they never the next time you see him his powers are no no greater than they were and i'm just like what was the point of all that like why like this whole time i'm like this they're gonna get him strong enough to where he basically can control all of new york city and this is gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous and then there was another scene at the very end and i i don't if you're not gonna be into it i can i can effectively spoil this so go for it her best friend the entire show yeah um who's, I, I guess, in the comics, becomes another hero at some point, too. I, I, I'm not entirely sure how that works. But um, her her other friend, at the very end, um, you know, she's confronting Kilgrave. He's got a bunch of people on this dock. He's about to escape on his yacht and just escape off. <laughs> He's got all these people on the dock who are fighting each other. And Jessica just, she's so frustrated. She She's running through those people. She runs up to Kilgrave, and he screams out, stop. And at this point in the story, you find out, he doesn't have control over Jessica anymore. She's immune to the virus, which is one of the reasons he was pumping himself. He says, he screams stop. Everybody on the, on the docks stops what they're doing. They stop fighting each other. She stops in her tracks and he goes, Oh, maybe I do. And he doesn't believe it at first. Cause she's been fucking with him the whole time too. Like they've been, they've been kind of, going back and forth, screwing with each other's expectations of each you know of who they are. So he's not convinced that she actually has stopped. And he you know he thinks she's faking. So to, to test it, he calls her friend over and basically kind of starts molesting her friend in front of her. Jeez. And he's like, and I'm, he's like, I'm gonna take her with me. We're gonna get off on this boat and there's nothing you can do about it. And in my head I'm like, oh my God, that's where this is gonna end and that's gonna be sort of the setup for the next season is that he's gonna steal her best friend from her and she's gonna she's not gonna be able to do anything about it. And oh my God. And instead of that, um, he walks he he abandons that immediately because he kinda he he thinks that um, he's called her bluff and, and she's not she's still stopped. So he walks up to her and she just snaps his neck and he dies. I'm like, really? Like how it would have it would have completely like it would have it would have caused me great turmoil and like I would have been anxious, but like, oh my god, it would have been such a punch in the gut for him to have basically escaped and you know, yeah. at the end of the day her plan to get him was a shitty plan like right. what her plan uh, you you, they, you know they put all this thought into how she's going to confront him and then when you see what her plan is you're like really that's what her that's what you had planned like that this was never going to work so it would have made sense for that to have failed him to have gotten away with her best friend and that would have been the start of season two but you know it ended as it ended and, and it's fine so i you know I love where we are now in the world with I've always been a fan of strong female protagonists, like more than more than male protagonists. I think there's more complexity. I think it tells a better story. I think Star Wars has proven this with Ray. Um, I think Jessica Jones proves it. Um, Kristen Ritter brings it acting wise. Like she just oh, yeah. she owns that whole show. So like, give her every Emmy. Um, <laughs> and, and david Tennant. david Tennant was great at kill group i just don't think they gave i don't think they fashioned him the right way i don't think they gave him a lot of people point to him as like the best marvel villain they've had which is some ways is true i think he could have been even better though so bog, bugs me that mm-hmm. with the team they had like it, it you know it, one person didn't make the show there was a group of people really smart people and the fact they couldn't have seen the potential kind of bugs me so you know fair enough it's what definitely give it a watch, um, but yeah, you're you're so right. Not for not for kids, absolutely yeah. not for kids. I would say teenagers, uh, you know, approach at your own risk. Yeah, um, and definitely be ready for for a lot of the heavy heavy subject matter. I mean, they get into to uh, you know it's, the whole thing's kind of a rape allegory. You know? I mean, so e-
1: even in that first episode, it's like just the sort of the flashback stuff that that happens to her was like this is yeah really heavy yeah. you know it was
0: There's a lot of ptsd there's a lot of you know, oh yeah
1: dealing with, but totally with on kind of stuff. on tone and not you know not breaking that and and turning it into some you know it never turns into like an after school special or a revenge Correct. fantasy or anything it's like oh it's just sort of on you know it just sort of unwinds and that yeah in the right yeah, pace like at least that. for that that first episode it just it felt really you it felt nailed really it good. So. You,
0: you, you, even though you saw one episode, you really nailed it. The whole show—it doesn't build to something; it no. unwinds kind of to to no. conclusion.
1: That was kind no. of an accidental verb. No, there, that's but.
0: exactly the great, and, and I could never put words to it before. But that's exactly I wanted it to. In in that, there's really my the crawl for me. It acts like it's going to build towards something, while yeah. it does just keep unwinding, keep unwinding. And well, so, if you go in with that expectation, you're probably going to love it.
1: I think um, that's how you got to do a detective story, which is really what, like, what I liked about ha- you know having her as the crappy PI and the sort of down on her luck you know PI and stuff. And it's like, yeah, you've got. I mean, that's how they tell them is like everything's already fucked, and the detectives yeah. really just sort of like uh, you know unraveling it as they go. And I that was a really it's an easy way to get into the show, and it you know uh, what I saw of it was you know they were they they were keeping that up, you know. Um,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, no. and now I almost want to watch it again with that <laughs> expectation. Well, I, know how... <laughs> I wonder if I will have a better, a higher opinion of it knowing. And, and for me, it's just, it, I just need to accept that as an accept. Uh, I need to accept that that is an acceptable form of storytelling. Like not, yeah. not everything does have to build yeah. to some crescendo. Like, I think I'm so, I'm so intoxicated when shows do that and do it well, that I right. then watch that. Uh, I mean, Carnival being the, my classic example of there's a show that builds and the crescendo is so satisfying while still leaving all this other stuff that that's unanswered that you're like, oh, God, it's like it's 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 like the best kind of show sex you're ever going to have. It's like it's right. Carnival, it shows like that. So when it when it doesn't when it kind of think insists that it's going to do that, but not really. And maybe I insisted upon that you know, on the show. Like I like I mistook, you know, something for oh they're building towards this instead right. of no they're just this is where it's going
1: so oh, well back it. to a, a, another theme that we bring up you know in several episodes uh is uh i think that's one of the great things about the netflix model of storytelling is that you they they get to conceive of and make the show before they know how the audience is really going to react to it Yeah. yeah. so you you are able to tell a story like that that sort of slowly unwinds over 10 or 13 episodes or whatever, rather than, um, you know, the old network version of like, I mean, can you imagine if that, if, you know, they made that first episode? And it, I mean, honestly, you don't even have to imagine it. It happened with Supergirl this season. There was mm-hmm. an episode uh, that concerned terrorism and it happened right after the French terrorist attacks. And so CBS didn't air it, you know, and which is a totally, I'm not like, questioning that decision at all or anything like that but yeah. as the creator of something like that if you're trying to tell a story and all of a sudden you have to be sensitive to you know the timing that it lands and yeah. where yeah. what your audience feels about it and stuff i mean it's like it that's going to affect the way you tell stories in the future whereas jessica jones got to say we're telling this story in this way yeah and you can watch it anytime you want you know and yeah. i yeah. i watched the first episode on a terrible day to watch the first episode but that that had nothing to do with the show or whatever i mean i was still able to appreciate like wow this was you know like really really well executed it just you know shocked me out of uh, out of the show whereas on well, you that's know, you know that's really, the other weekend i would have kept watching but I, I'll, I'll lump even though hbo
0: sh- you know spreads its release out it pretty much operates the same way where it's just you have to be gutsy with your storytelling and go an audience is going to find this or they're not and yeah. we're going to make our choices. I mean, it's it's exactly what goes into film. I mean, the films right. film world works no differently. It's we're going to well. I mean, and well, you could uh, argue some films, you know, kind of micromanage that. To
1: yeah, the they panic and they go back. I mean, Fantastic Four from this year is probably a good example of that. Of them yeah. you know, constantly tinkering with it, like worried about what the audience is going to think. And um, it's
0: the, but it's like I mean, then there's Tarantino, who's like, it, and granted, he has admitted a lot of his success is because Harvey Weinstein just likes what he does. Yeah. So there's not a lot of meddling, and he's just been really fortunate to have that sort of relationship. But any filmmaker who's just – it's that mindset of I'm going to put this out. Yeah. And, and I wonder – and not that this is a segue, but I wonder how that I, – I would love to ask that question to a couple you know, kind of experienced comic creators because they're kind of straddling yeah. that, you know, both worlds in. They have a vision for something. But then they still have to adapt and react to a market that you know. If if the third week nobody buys your book, you know, image or whoever it is might say, "Well, your run is going to be over here." Into you know, into it's has to operate under TV economics. Well,
1: and I think that's one of the reasons why you and I are so drawn to the image creator owned titles is that we we trust that those creators are telling the story they want to tell, and we're buying in like we're along for the ride. Whereas with the big two. uh, you're and I, you know, I don't know enough about Dark Horse's titles to kind of lump them in there, but I know with DC and Marvel, you definitely get the feeling of like if it's not working, they'll change it. Yeah, you know, and they yeah. bring in a new team, and that new team has a new uh, vision and direction and stuff. And so you'll, you know, from <laughs> issue 13 to 14, like all of a sudden it's like, well, they all look different and they talk differently, and you know, it's 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 very strange to follow those mainstream titles in a way because, mm-hmm. and and honestly, I think that's why the big two are kind of leaning towards the. You know, the image model, not that it's creator-owned and stuff, but there's, there's – over the past, you know, uh, five or ten years or something, I felt like it is easier to, to get a DC or Marvel title that's just an arc.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. And
1: you, you pay attention to that arc because you like it, and then you know after that another arc's going to happen. If you're not into it, you don't pick it up, you know? yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's not the the days of the 80s and 90s where you just buy Batman every month or every week or whatever because it comes out, you know. It's like Well, and I never know? had that experience. So yeah. that's, that's
0: always that to me is like that just sounds miserable. Like ugh, like really I mean, if you really love Batman, then fair play to you, but I just I I am uh, and this I've always kind of been of the mindset of I just like I I I appreciate more stories with purpose with intent that i may not like every in fact i respect that stuff more i mean wicked and divine is a great example i i could care less about this third volume that right. they're where they, they change the
1: artists and stuff different
0: artists every time and like the story has really been halted and i'm just like where what is this yeah and, but i'm still going to be the second they kind of jump back into quote-unquote ordinary time to borrow a church term like i'm going to be I want to be back on. I mean, I'll be right there buying every single issue and, and then buying the trade paperback for volume four because I'll be like, I, I want to see, I, I trust them to go back into kind of their regular groove again. So,
1: yeah. Well, I know that, you know, I there was a, such a funny time when I got into comics and I actually had a mail subscription to X Men or Uncanny X Men or whatever it was at the oh, time. Wow. And, um, and during the summer, they decided to publish two issues a month. And the way they did it was they had two totally different teams. And I just remember it'd be like you <laughs> I'd get one issue a month and I'd go like, Why does everyone look so different? <laughs> you oh, know, man. and then the next one was kind of like, which one am I more into? Or it was well,
0: and you didn't have the internet to be like, What is what what is this know, about? Fuck like fuck why did this going happen?
1: On? <laughs> like, is, yeah, this gonna, yeah. is this gonna revert to the way I liked it when I subscribed to it? Um, yeah, you're yeah. just going to had to be at
0: the, at the whim of hopefully they'll ex- explain in the issue. Like, hey, guys, we're trying something yeah. like
1: you – know, It, it was totally like, one, one of those stuff. things of like, hey, this summer we, we're going to double up your subscription. So it runs out faster and you have to renew in the <laughs> fall. <laughs> <laughs> those um, days are over. Hi there. This is Todd A. Um, Taylor and I went really long on this podcast, which was actually really fun for us just to wrap up our whole year together um, and talk about everything we wanted to. So I have cut this thing into three parts and you have just listened to part one. Part two, we run through a ton of pop culture and geek culture stuff. Um, From the Doctor Strange Strange costume to the Star Trek trailer that got totally forgotten about in the wake of Force Awakens. Um, So part two and part three are coming really soon. Uh, Check us out at ToddandTaylor.com and listen to those. Uh, We appreciate everything.